2: It is Tuesday, February 8th, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're still calling them the football team. I'm Marcus Grant, alongside Michael F. Florio. Producer Justin is at the controls, and it is officially Super Bowl week. We have made it to uh, the final week of the NFL season. I mean, that's not counting everything that happens in the offseason or what have you, but this is the final week of gameplay in the NFL year, and Florio, we started this thing back in what? August, I guess when you would talk about like preseason games and stuff, um, I feel like it always, it always feels like it's a long time, but always comes quickly all at the same time, if that makes any sense.
1: No, it does. Because I describe it like that all the time. People are like, how, how the season must be, you know, so long. And I'm like, it feels long when you're in it. Like every week is just like, cause you live week to week in this, in the, <laughs> when we're like this. But then at the end of the year, it's like, wow, it was just August, like yesterday
2: right exactly and so now here we are uh, into February uh, one last game to be played we will talk a lot about that later on in the week which I guess is a perfect way to also let you know uh, normally you know we do these shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays this week though we're going to push them back to Friday so it should be released about Friday evening uh, Florio and I will be on Radio Row on Friday hopefully uh, be able to get some good interviews with some players uh, that we can use all throughout the offseason and so at that time we'll record our Podcast for the week. We will uh, dive a little more deeply into the Super Bowl between the Bengals and the Rams. But uh, I do have some fun things we can kick around a little bit later on in this show as well. Uh, but also in this show, I'm going to talk about some over and underperforming players and uh, see how that might correlate into the 2022 football season. But 1st uh got to talk about a thing that happened last week that we didn't get to on Thursday's show. But the the Washington football team, I guess, is now just a Washington football team. They changed their name. They are officially the Washington Commanders. Um, they, you know, unbeknownst to them, that thing sort of leaked ahead of time. I guess somebody got a drone shot of their stadium and saw the banner, and that's how it sort of slipped out. Although they also sort of, I think, kind of inadvertently leaked it on their own as well. Um, simple question. Do you like the name? I,
1: I think this is a hot take judging from like Twitter. I don't really have a strong opinion on the name. Like <laughs> I I don't love it. I'm not like, oh, that's an awesome name, but I'm also not like, it's a team name. You know, like you're, <laughs> you're very limited. Um, I, I hated the Washington football team initially. I was like, this mm. is lazy and boring. And then it grew on me. So maybe <laughs> this will grow on me as well. But I think I'm going to miss the WFT.
2: I'm going to miss the WFT. I liked football team. I feel like it's better than commanders. I mean, not being a fan personally of the team, I'm not going to you know rail against it one way or another. I don't really care. I'm not buying any merch for them. Um, but I do like football team. I still think they missed an opportunity to originally be the Washington football club. They could have just been the FC. They could have kept that forever and ever. It kept it rolling. Uh, they could have tapped into the whole soccer market by selling scarves and the whole thing. But, um, sure. Commanders. Fine. Uh, you're right. It, it, I think it, it'll probably grow on us after a while, after like five years of this, we'll just be calling them the commanders and it won't be a big deal. Yeah. Um, it did actually make me wonder though uh, she's talking about team names right and for the most part they're sort of generic they generally talk about like either they're just some generic sort of you know aggressive kind of animal um or they do they have something to do with the region the team is in do you have any like best or worst names that jump out at you
1: uh i I think for most professional sports teams they're they're pretty boring. Like you said, they're generic. They have something to do with the area. My favorite ones, because there's so few are ones that don't end in an S because there's just mm-hmm. very few in each sport. But I think for, if you really want the best team names, you have to go to minor league baseball. And and that's well, why I was yeah. pretty sad a couple of years ago when stud muffins wasn't the, the voted winner for one of the Mets <laughs> minor league teams.
2: Uh, I know that there's the, the Binghamton rumble ponies, which is pretty good. Um, yeah, minor league baseball for sure is uh, is the champ when it comes to those. Although I will say this, I feel like because we obviously living in Southern California, Long Beach State, um, they simultaneously have the best and worst because now they're just the beach, right? Like <laughs> they're the Long Beach State beach. They were they were once the 49ers, now they're just the beach, and I'm like that's sort of bland the, the- and boring.
1: The Leonardo DiCaprio movie from the nineties, right? Like that,
2: yeah. They're they're like a weird sci-fi action film or whatever that that nobody really saw. Um, but at the same time, their baseball team is the Dirtbags, which is awesome, <laughs> right? Like it's it's. I mean, it, it was originally created because of the style they play, where they they steal bases and they hustle hard and they slide hard and they get dirty, and so they 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 have just become officially the Dirtbags in baseball. So I, that to me kind of stood out. But the beach sucks.
1: I would <laughs> love like just if no one knows what that is, like someone wearing a shirt that just says like dirt bag oh, across it. You can buy Yeah, you can buy
2: merch that <laughs> says dirt bags." You can get shirts and probably hats. It just says like dirt bags on it. So, yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe you just roll down to Long Beach. We get us some dirt bags gear. <laughs> <laughs> just just rock that. So, uh, it'll be interesting. All right. So, anyway, the commanders, they're in our lives. I will probably end up still calling them the football team on occasion just because it's who I am.
1: The worst part of their unveiling was, uh, the mannequin that was wearing the 17 jersey was like the smallest, skinniest mannequin (laughs) I've ever seen. And I was like, why are you doing Terry McLaurin like this? (laughs) Yeah.
2: Although apparently people seem to like the uniforms. Like the black uniforms don't seem too bad. The white ones, like they seem okay. I like the red ones. Yeah. So we just like the uniforms seem like they've been pretty popular. So we just have to settle into the name and figure out if, uh, if we like the name, um, Also, the people who shot a video themselves basically ripping off the, you know, the jingle from a national insurance company, Um, you should be ashamed of yourselves. That's all I'm going to say with that. Uh, All right. Um, Our pal Cynthia Freeland does plenty of great work on TV and at NFL.com. She put together a list of her five most overperforming and underperforming units. From the past year, so this is like you know, like different groups, whether it's defensive line, wide receivers, running backs, you know, so on and so forth. I went and picked uh, a handful that were more fantasy relevant and got to kick these around because the first one, her most overperforming unit, was the Patriots quarterbacks. Obviously, that mostly refers to Mac Jones, who ended up having, I think. Uh, maybe a better season than a lot of people would have anticipated. Uh, I pointed out that he had a better fantasy season, certainly than Trevor Lawrence. Um, Not that we got excited about Mac Jones, but because of Cynthia sort of projecting, uh, you know, based on her measurements and her metrics, that they overperformed this year, does this mean maybe we should give Mac Jones a little more credit when it comes to drafts next year?
1: I don't think so. I I, I think, (laughs) you know how we always say, like, there's... Jalen Hurts is, like, the poster boy of, like, way better in fantasy than in real life. Mm-hmm. Mac Jones is, like, the opposite of that. Like, he's a really, <laughs> really good real-life quarterback. He, he got the Patriots to the playoffs. He did what he was asked to do. He deserves a ton of credit for that. But he doesn't run. They don't ask him to do, you know, a whole bunch with his arm. He had a few, very few games with even over 20 fantasy points this past year. So uh, he finished 29th overall in points per game. But if you, you know, get rid of guys who play like a game or two, he's higher than that, but still well outside the top 20. I I think that he's just a better real-life game manager type of quarterback. He doesn't add enough with his legs. There's not going to be a lot of passing volume in that on on the Patriots, at least. They're going to rely on the run game and the defense a lot. So uh, he's a good story. He outlived my expectations. I'm really not that interested for fantasy, though.
2: I also think part of it is all the things that you mentioned, right? The fact that they don't ask him to do a ton, the fact that he doesn't run. Uh, I don't think it helps that he doesn't necessarily have a lot of great pass catchers around him either. Um, You know, I know they went out last season and they they tried to make some upgrades and and they were better, I think, as a group in 2021 than they were in 2020. Uh, Still wasn't particularly great. So I think you're right. Uh, Mac Jones, I think, is going to be interesting to watch develop. I think uh, he can be a good quarterback. I don't think it's going to be interesting for fantasy. Although, and I hate to say this because now people are going to like, you know, say I'm making comparison. Tom Brady wasn't a great fantasy quarterback early in his career. It was sort of the midway point of his career. I mean, definitely started with that 50-touchdown season in 2007, and he sort of kind of went next level. The first, what, four or five years of his career, not a great fantasy quarterback.
1: Um, I I watched his first part of his first Super Bowl win the other day on on the network, and the way they talk about him, man, like the Patriots do not have a good offense. They have no (laughs) passing attack. They need to win with their defense. And I'm like, this is, this is the guy that we call the goat now. Like, it's funny how, how different it was just 20 years ago.
2: Well, I mean, in that first Super Bowl win, when they beat the Rams, the Rams were a big favorite in that game. Uh, If you remember Brady drove them down to get a game winning field goal. But at the beginning of that drive, uh, I believe it was John Madden who was doing color and said, "Well, the Patriots should just kneel on the ball here, go to overtime, see what happens, and then, of course, Brady leads them to a win, and uh, the legend sort of
1: begun from there."
2: Uh, he, so.
1: he also, and while I was watching that, he overthrew his running back on like a checkdown, and I was like, "Oh man, like <laughs> this is what he's known for now." He was messing that up then.
2: Uh, I would love to watch that game with Tom Brady. And just you know, <laughs> see what he say, what he thinks about it, and how he feels about it. Like now in retrospect, like ugh, I can't believe you know. It's like going back and looking at high school pictures of yourself, sort of. Thing. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, our next underperforming or overperforming group, I should say, the Rams running backs. Uh, obviously, we didn't see Cam Akers for much of the year. He came back late in the season. In the meantime, guys like Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle, were getting a lot of work, but. Akers came back and has been lights out, you know, late in the season and all through the playoffs. Uh, we sort of talked about this before, but sort of throwing in the fact that that group as a whole overperformed. Um, are we making a case if he's not already there for Cam Akers to be a first-round pick next year?
1: I, I think he's gonna start off in like the second round, but uh, at least I did a bet my first best ball draft already because I'm crazy and I took him, <laughs> him in the the end of the second round. I could see, though, with, you know, a strong summer, hearing how great he is, especially if he has a good game in the Super Bowl, and then a strong summer next year, I think he will either return to the first round or early second round, because he's awesome. I mean, I know the the production, you know, against, like, the box, people were saying, oh, the production wasn't great. I was like, he played over 80% of the snaps and had over 20 touches, six months removed from a surgery that we all thought could have ended his career, like... Give the guy a pass for that. The volume, if they trust him so much now, I think they'll trust him next year. I think he'll be a borderline first-round pick at the least.
2: Well, and I also think you know you sort of put into context that that stuff against the Buccaneers, right? Talking about how good their run defense was, um, the fact that yeah he didn't have a ton of production, feels like it can, it can kind of be forgiven. Um, just because a lot of people didn't have a lot of success running against the Buccaneers. Uh, I do think, though, we're going to get to a point late in the summer where people are talking about Cam Akers kind of near the end of the first round there. Um, I think that hype's going to build all throughout the the offseason, and you're right, if he has a good Super Bowl, then it's going to be super off the charts there. Uh, All right, so now let's get to the underperformers. One of the five on the list that Cynthia had was the Giants' wide receivers, and it was – Pretty awful for that group. I mean, Kenny Galladay uh, had the same number of touchdowns as you and I. Um, you know, Kadarius Tony was sort of in and out of the lineup. Now they got a new head coach. Brian Dable comes over from the Buffalo Bills. He's the new head man there uh, for the Giants. I-, I-, I asked this about Tony specifically, but I guess it can apply to, you know, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, just kind of everybody across the board. How much can Brian Dable help? get these guys going i mean are does that does that create any intrigue for you uh maybe drafting a giants wide receiver
1: the only giants wide receiver i'm really excited for is kadarius tony um I, i had an article that came out last friday where it was players to buy back in on next year and kadarius tony is one of them i think he'll be pretty cheap in drafts uh And in Cynthia's article, she talks about how the reason why they underperform so much is because none of them create separation. The only one who did a good job last year of creating separation is Kadarius Toney. Uh, He's very explosive. I think his rookie year... Uh, was kind of a lost year. He had that one great game against the Cowboys' number one ranked defense where he went for nearly 200 yards. But besides that, he was in and out of the lineup. Uh, He was banged up at times. And then down the stretch with Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm, I mean, there was no success at all there to be had with bland play calling. So, I think naturally upgrading your play caller should help, but also having Daniel Jones and hopefully a better backup quarterback in case something happens to Daniel Jones. Plus, with him just being another year in the league, he was a better route runner than he got credit for coming out of college. I'm excited for Tony, and I don't think he's going to have too much hype coming into next year.
2: I also think you know he seemed to be the guy that they really made the most effort to try and get the ball in his hands out in space. You know, We saw a lot of you know, times where they just would, would dump the ball off to him and just let him work, let him use his athleticism. That was a thing that you didn't see with all their other receivers. Um, is is the Kenny Galladay dream dead? Is it over now? Kenny us?
1: Galladay took that bag and ran, man. He, <laughs> but the thing, I remember last year when that, that happened, talking with you and us being like, we don't think it's a great fit. And, like, that was, like, the narrative of that signing. So, Dave Gettleman, good job.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, so far it has not worked out. They're sort of committed to him, at least for the uh, the foreseeable future. So, we'll see if if Brian Dable can kind of get that thing uh, turned the right direction. Um, another underperforming group, the Bears offensive line. Obviously, we're not drafting any Bears offensive linemen. But we do have expectations for Justin Fields. Does this make you worried if they can't if they can't figure out how to shore up that offensive line? Uh, do we have to maybe pull back some of our enthusiasm about Justin Fields?
1: As of right now, I'm not too worried because the Bears have all their draft picks. They have a, a good amount of cap space as well. But if they don't, you know, like you said, if they don't shore up that offensive line, then I, I I'll start to be a little bit worried if there's no upgrades there. Because in her article, Cynthia does say that. Justin Fields' style of play is one that leads to more sacks. Uh, and, and that is true. But also, like, we want him to be able to run. We want him to be able to have some time to throw that deep ball that That I'm excited to see him throw. So uh, we know a bad O-line can definitely drag down quarterback play. So if they don't do anything to address it, whether it be in free agency or the draft, and I don't mean, like, we used our fourth-round pick on an O-lineman. I mean, like, <laughs> using <laughs> substantial... Uh, either cap space or draft picks to upgrade that O-line then I'll be worried well
2: I'm also curious because you know I don't as of now know much about Luke Getze their new offensive coordinator right the guy that they brought in uh, other than he worked with Aaron Rodgers and that Packers offense uh, as the quarterback's coach so in terms of you know what he wants to do, um, you know how he's going to call the plays, you know I think we're still sort of waiting to see there. So there are a lot of things around Justin Fields that, um, you know, have me at least thinking a little bit. So right now I'm still certainly all in, uh, but I'm with you. I'm going to keep an eye on what the Bears do, especially in terms of building that offensive line in front of him, uh, to you know see see if he can perform next year. Uh, last one, underperforming the Browns pass catchers uh i mean kind of come across the board right obviously they they get rid of odell beckham um but you know jarvis landry has was kind of up and down they had a lot of injuries in that group uh is there anybody there that we are interested in for next season
1: for fantasy not really like it's it's the running backs and that's kind of it because Like, I think Jarvis Landry is still a really useful, real-life wide receiver. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones could be a good field stretcher, but I don't trust their offensive system, which is built around the run game. I don't trust Baker Mayfield enough on a weekly basis. So that's what we've been seeing the last couple of years with these pass catchers in Cleveland. They're so up and down, and I think we can finally put it to rest, Marcus. It was not Odell as the issue in Cleveland.
2: I think that's the case. Um, you know, uh, shout out to Odell Beckham Sr. for learning Final Cut Pro uh, to help his son end up in a better opportunity, and now his, his kid's playing for a Super Bowl title. So, uh, yeah, I think we can all say that, that it was not uh, Odell that was the issue there uh, in in Cleveland. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything that's really exciting about this group next you know, next year. Um, like you said, maybe there's some guys late in drafts or off the waiver wire that, that maybe gets you kind of intrigued, but, but there's not much that, uh, that's going to get you too fired up about this group. All right, uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll start to kind of dig into some fun-type Super Bowl things. Like I said, we'll get into the meat of it a little bit later on in the week, but uh, we'll kind of kick around some fun topics. That's next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. So you might have heard there is a big game coming up uh, on Sunday at SoFi Stadium. It is Super Bowl 56, the Bengals and the Rams. I guess I should say the Rams and the Bengals because the Bengals uh, are the home team. Uh, The first thing uh, about this, it is Super Bowl 56, LVI. I don't know that anything uses Roman numerals anymore except for the Super Bowl because, like, we've stopped making Rocky movies Um, does the Super Bowl just need to go away from Roman numerals and just start using actual numbers now?
1: Unless any of the higher ups who are listening and feel very strongly about it, uh, I I think they need to get away from the Roman numerals. (laughs) Um, You know, I I came from the research department here. And uh, when I used to be a researcher at this time of the year, I would have to have a tab open at all times <laughs> to convert Roman numerals because I don't know them at all. So you'd be like Super Bowl in 1989, who played in it? And I'd, they'd be like, what number is it? And I'd be like, hold up. I got to go to my Roman numeral calculator. <laughs> like, Cause I truly have no idea. And I think it'll be easier to remember if we just fully embrace the number. Like, let's just do that and, and make it easy for people.
2: I remember studying Roman numerals, like, I don't know, elementary school, maybe junior high, but like I don't have any use for them it was just kind of a novelty (laughs) thing right like it was just kind of like a cute novelty thing so like and even now because i don't use it like it fades away and i do have to like think i'm like okay wait l is 50 and v and i'm like yeah it's just no point to it and and honestly i thought when they got to super bowl 50 right they had been roman numerals and then they went to 50 and it was just five zero and that seemed like the perfect time To just make the switch and just go back to numbers at that point. But no, they go back to the Roman numerals. So this week is like – or this year is LVI. Next year is LVII. It's just
1: just cumbersome. Like how old – Roman numerals go back to like the Roman Empire, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine using anything else that's that old today? Like
2: it just just, wouldn't work. It's just weird. Like it doesn't (laughs) – I know, like, I, I guess the point is, like, it's supposed to make it feel, like, super and special, but it's, like, it's the Super Bowl. People already care. Like, we don't need
1: to trump it up. Like, every the, the whole country stops on the day of the Super Bowl. The Roman right. numeral change won't affect that. It's not going to affect it at all.
2: Like, not even a little bit. Uh, also, side note. Uh, I think the, the the Super Bowl should go back to letting each city sort of design its own logo. Like, now the logo is pretty much the same. It's just the trophy, and it's like the Roman numerals and stuff. They're all kind of boring. Like, I sort of miss it back in the day when every city had something special. Like, New Orleans would do a New Orleans-themed thing and, you know, whatever. We should go back to that, too. That's just my two cents. Um, There's always superstitions. There's always, like, sort of weird facts about the Super Bowl. There are two that at least on paper, seem to be going against the Bengals. They are the home team this year, which means they get to pick what jersey they're going to wear. So they decided to go with their black uniforms. Very cool. I get it. The Rams are going to wear white. Um, I think it was – our guy Randy pointed this out to us in Slack uh, a couple days ago, that teams that wear white in the Super Bowl have 35 wins – to just 20 losses. So they've won 35 of 55 Super Bowls. That seems bad. The other thing that seems to be going against the Bengals, Al Michaels is calling the game uh, for NBC this year. This will be his 11th Super Bowl. In the previous 10, I looked this up, the NFC has won seven out of the previous 10 games that Al Michaels has called. I know this is not actual analysis. I know this is all superstition and what have you. Is one of these things more damning for the Bengals than the other? Is there one that like you're like, hmm, I don't know that I like this for them?
1: Uh, I, I would go with the white jerseys of them because that's a that's a pretty big sample size. And thinking <laughs> right? back on it, I was like, hey, Mahomes and the Chiefs wore red last year and, and Brady was in white and, and we know how that one turned out. Uh, I, I also hate the fact that the Rams aren't wearing their blue because I think they're blue and yellow jerseys and one of the nicest in all of sports. So I was really hoping that would be on full display. But, hey, I understand why they chose white. They're like, if we get the white jersey, we're, we're going to win. <laughs> it's science.
2: It's just science, right? <laughs> I mean, 35 out of 55. That's a pretty good sample size. That's a pretty good record. So, uh, yeah, that seems bad. I know that, you know, Joe Burrow has, you know, swag on a thousand. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if he can overcome superstition. I also don't know if he can overcome the uh, the power of the Al Michaels jinx. Um, last one. Obviously, a big part of this is the Super Bowl halftime show this year. Uh, it is as star-studded as they come. I know on paper uh, it looks like potentially the – maybe the best halftime show we have ever seen. Uh, if you don't know who's in it by now, I can just help you out. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, Eminem, all at the Super Bowl. So, and you, you mentioned this in Slack, right? You have a lot of artists who have a lot of hits just individually, not to mention combined, and not a lot of time to get through them all. So, uh, just going across all five of those artists, Give me three songs that you are certain are going to be performed at halftime.
1: I think we're going to get the collabs for sure. So like, I think we get still Dre because that's, that's Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. I think we get nothing but a G thing. And, and you know, I wrapped that on fantasy live. So if they, they need someone <laughs> to like background sing or whatever, just to get in the building, I'll do it. And then I think we get forgot about Dre with, because that's Dr. Dre and Eminem. Uh, I think Eminem plays, like, Lose Yourself, too. So that's that's a bonus song there. He's the hardest one for me to figure out what he's going to play because he's got, like, 25 albums, and I'm thinking he doesn't <laughs> play anything that he's came out with in the last 10 years, too, so.
2: Yeah, I would think for, for Eminem it's going to be, you know, he's going to go back in the catalog a little bit, and, and he's going to play some of the older stuff there. Uh, I will say I think, I think we're going to get California Love because why wouldn't yeah. between Dre and Snoop and, and Kendrick being from L.A.? Super Bowl in California. They're going to get California love. I think Kendrick gives us at least a little bit of humble. Um, Just because I want to hear a packed SoFi Stadium scream, my left stroke just went viral. Um, (laughs) I just think that would be amazing. Uh, And then if we're going to get one Mary J. Blige Blige song, I think it's going to be Family family Affair uh, because there will be some hateration and holleration in this dancery um so i think i think those are the three we're gonna get uh i'm trying to think what what i think lose yourself for
1: sure we'll get from after that i don't i don't think there's a lock like (laughs) He loves Stan, but that's a bad venue to play yeah, that song. like, I
2: don't think you're playing Stan at Super Bowl <laughs> halftime. Like, that's that's a good way to just bring the whole place, you know, bring the mood down. And,
1: and like, I know he's using Rap God as his, like, song for the promos and stuff, but that, again, seems like a bad song for that venue.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, you're right. I'm really trying to think. I mean, unless he does, like, he goes way, way back and does, like, My Name Is uh, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's gonna be hard to kind of figure out what.
1: Uh, I, and I, I, and like Rap God is almost ten years old. Like, I don't think he plays anything within the last decade. No, I can't imagine he does. Um, I mean, I think that's just a good way to sort of lose the crowd. Uh,
2: <laughs> if 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 that's what happens there. There's,
1: there's also some rumblings online that someone. Kendrick Lamar might announce a new album that's been, you know, five uh, years in the making. All right. Um,
2: I mean, look, you know, we've seen that before, right? I mean, Beyonce sort of came out and, and put out a new single when, uh, when she performed, one of the times she performed at Super Bowl. So I- I'm looking forward to it, though. It's, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's weird. It's like now it's like I realized when I watched the Super Bowl, there's no time to really take a break, right? Because you're watching the game. And then commercials happen. You're like, well, I want to see the commercials. And then Super Bowl halftime happens. You're like, well, I can't walk away now. Like, there's no real time to take a break or run to the bathroom during the Super Bowl the, anymore. The
1: only real time is, like, the few minutes either before or after the halftime show where they're, like, actually trying to break down the first half. <laughs> like, that's when you got to run. Like, but yeah, it's it's like four hours of just nonstop, maybe even more than four hours of just oh, nonstop yeah. fun. And I always wonder, like, who, which big guest is the artist going to bring out? But do you think we get a guest when they already I have? five? I can't imagine. You have five. You have five
2: really big artists all all performing. I can't imagine there's going to be space or time, uh, to bring out a guest or anything. Because I was
1: like, oh, f- maybe Fifty Cent though But I was like, no, <laughs> like they can't
2: do that. No, that'd be huge. I mean, I don't know. They they pull out Exhibit or something. Like you know, <laughs> they stay sort of local. They you know they do. I don't know. Like I feel like it, it, like. There's songs that they could bring exhibit out for, but I don't know that you would do them in that setting, uh, on a family a family event. So, <laughs> yeah, to so that part.
1: All right, it's gonna be a good time though. It will definitely be a good
2: time, and uh, we look forward to kind of watching it all along with you. But of course, we are not done. We have one more show this week. Again, it's gonna be on Friday. We will put that out where we will dig more into the meat and potatoes of this whole thing. In the meantime, that will do it. For this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, stay happy, safe, and healthy. Get vax, wear a mask, do good, and live well. We will talk to you on Friday.